Welcome to Since You Asked with Jim Barrier on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Send Jim your questions about the Bible and Christianity to jim at cgmradio.com. Subscribe to Since You Asked by visiting us online at cgmradio.com slash ask. And now, here's your host, Jim Barrier. My birthday is on Halloween. I have always loved that day. Not just because it was my birthday, but there were carnivals at the schools and churches. People wore costumes, and there were parties. Now, before you judge me for going to parties, just remember that when the prodigal son came home, the father said, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. They dressed up the sun and had a party. But the best thing about Halloween was trick-or-treating. In those days, you could go through the neighborhood and collect more candy than you could possibly eat in a week. And if you were lucky, someone might drop a full-size candy bar in your bag. I know candy isn't the most nutritious thing to eat. And I don't eat it now because I have to be a little more health conscious. But there was plenty of good stuff other than candy. My favorite is pumpkin pie. That's what you have to do with the inside of the pumpkin after you carve it. A holiday dinner just isn't complete without pumpkin pie. I think food tastes good to encourage us to be nourished. How boring would it be if everything tasted the same? We need to be nourished and sometimes enticed to partake of necessary nutrition. And so it is in the spiritual realm. We need to be spiritually nourished. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In the opening words of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Righteousness has several applications. On the human level, we have an innate need to know what we are doing is right. If we deliberately and habitually override our understanding of right and wrong and practice unrighteousness, the result is poor spiritual and emotional health. First John tells us that the one who practices righteousness is born of God and is like God. I have a hunger to be like him. Another aspect of righteousness is being made righteous on a level that I cannot achieve on my own. Second Corinthians says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And Romans 5 says, For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one many will be made righteous. This is not righteousness that I work for. It comes by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
Note, it does not say Abraham believed in God. It says Abraham believed God. This is not just acknowledging that God exists. It is taking him at his word, trusting his word, and obeying his word. The Gospel of Matthew says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I get hungry after four hours. Jesus got hungry after 40 days. Then the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The reference is to the manna God provided for Israel. I love the taste of bread from a bakery fresh out of the oven. In my spiritual walk, nothing is quite as satisfying as a fresh word from heaven. We speak of acquiring a taste for something. I have acquired an appetite for God's word. Indeed, I cannot live spiritually without the nutrition of bread from heaven. Psalm 119 says, How sweet your word is to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to the mouth. I moved from San Diego to San Antonio 33 years ago. I still prefer Baja Mex to Tex-Mex. It's like New York-style pizza versus Chicago-style pizza. And it's the same with Scripture. You will have as much luck getting a Calvinist and an Armenian to agree on Scripture as you will a New Yorker and a Chicagoan to agree on pizza or a Californian and a Texan on tacos. But we can acquire a taste for something. And you can acquire a taste for the Word of God even if you're a brand new Christian or if you've just been a churchgoer for years but never really got into the Word. Ask God to create an appetite for His Word within you. And just as in the natural, spiritually, we begin as infants. Peter writes, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the world, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you had tasted the kindness of the Lord. But we should not remain infants. Hebrews says, By this time, some of you ought to be teachers. But you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have become in need of milk and not solid food. Everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. The difference between milk and meat is that milk is a second-hand product. Someone else did all the work and produced the nourishment after they fed themselves. Meat needs to be prepared and digested individually. A friend of mine was part of a church that was losing members to another congregation across town. He asked someone why they changed churches, and their response was, Well, I get fed over there. And my friend replied, I guess that's okay if you need to be spoon-fed. 
In the next chapter of Hebrews, it says, For in the case of those who once have been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance for since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. In context, this is speaking of rejecting grace and returning to works and religion. Once you've tasted the goodness of the Lord, nothing else will satisfy. Jesus' disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So they were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. From Psalm 19, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much pure gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. John 6 has one of the most unusual stories in the gospel. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, What are we to do, so that we may accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who has been sent by God. So they said to him, What then are you doing as a sign, so that we may see and believe in you? What work are you performing? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry, and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have indeed seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of everything that he has given me, I will lose nothing, but will raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. So then the Jews were complaining about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? 
How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? And Jesus said to them, Stop complaining. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, I say, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven, so that anyone may eat from it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, the one who eats me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down out of heaven. Not just as the fathers ate and died, the one who eats this bread will live forever. So then many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And Jesus, aware that his disciples were complaining, said to them, Is this offensive to you? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh provides no benefit. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples would no longer walk with him. And Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to leave also, do you? And Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now let's look at this in context. Jesus had just fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus was aware that they intended to come and take him by force to make him king. And he withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. This is troubling enough. A king taken by force is merely a slave. They didn't want to serve Jesus. They wanted him to serve them. He said to them, You seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate some loaves and were filled. They were more concerned with satisfying their physical hunger than their spiritual hunger. One of the stumbling blocks for a potential disciple is prioritizing material needs over spiritual needs. To counter this, Jesus resorted to a practice of his. He spoke to them in parables. 
He did not mean that people should be cannibals. People left Jesus because what he said was difficult. The problem was they thought he meant something that he didn't mean. Before they left Jesus, he said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh provides no benefit. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. This is a clue. Jesus said he is the bread of life. Jesus is the word that became flesh. He said man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. A word is a vehicle of communication. Jesus was God's best and clearest communication to mankind. Some think that this passage is referring to communion, but actually it is the other way around. Later, at the Last Supper, he said, This is my body which is for you, and this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He was referring to him being the word of God and his blood being atonement for our sin. Communion, or the Lord's Supper, is understanding that Jesus is your sustenance for life and his shed blood is your only reconciliation to God. Without understanding this, the Lord's table and communion service is reduced to mere ritual. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him, and he with me. Jesus is inviting you to share a meal with him. Find a hunger for true righteousness. Feast on his word. Do his will. Make him your sustenance of life. Accept his invitation today. This is Jim Barrier on Since You Asked. Since You Asked is a production of Jim Barrier and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash ask.